0: good morning good afternoon and good evening to you all this is the business day spotlight your destination for african business made simple my name is Gawaza, and for today we do get into you know quite an interesting one and i say interesting because when you hear the word corruption um unfortunately in the south african sense we tend to um li- not to say limit but we tend to associate that um with the public sector with the government and that type of thing but you know there are a a lot of underhanded dealings uh, that do happen in the private sector. So uh, across the board, it's an issue that organizations should be vigilant um, of and about. Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about for today. Uh, some of the leading indicators, you know, of corruption, because there's a lot, you know, that's going on. Whether we're talking about contracts, tenders, uh, sourcing, procurement, there are so many different ways um, that uh, companies. Um, and organizations can be vulnerable, um, to the, to underhanded dealings, can be vulnerable to grafting, uh, can be, um, vulnerable to corruption, can be, just uh, vulnerable to crime you know that's happening out there so that's the conversation uh, that we are going to be having today how do people navigate how do organizations um, navigate how do employees navigate how do leaders uh, navigate this uh, you know tough terrain and to help us to deal um, with this we are joined by leon stain who is the ceo of dante deal and we're going to be just uh, getting into that discussion so uh leon greetings to you today thank you
1: sir pleased to meet you
0: and welcome to your listeners i think a good place for us to start is usually getting a sense of the organization before we get into the meat and potatoes of the discussion so as dante dio maybe you could give us a little bit around um you know the company itself and also what your interest is in um when it comes to corruption
1: Yeah, thank you. So yeah, Dante Dio is a procurement and sourcing organization. We are a consulting firm that uh, does work for the private sectors uh, as well as governments. We have several organizations in the world that we service um, from big mining houses through to um, the South African government a few years ago. And given that we are a procurement and sourcing and that we're specializing in that as one of our core service lines, Dante Dio has not only been affected by this and seeing it, you know, on, on the ground. We've, we've actually studied it. What to look out for when we see this thing, corruption happening in, in the marketplace. Besides that, Dante Dio is also, um, in a few other service lines like uh, software asset
0: management and procurement. Um, I think with that in mind, because you are specifically in the world of procurement, um, history has taught us, uh, especially when uh, people see some of the some of the hearings over the last couple of uh, uh, couple of weeks um, around the government, when whether we're talking about state capture, and also at the same time in the private sector, um, a lot of the time when corruption happens, it is um, in the sourcing of goods and services how do people pick the suppliers um, you know that they do so maybe you could highlight for us you know some of the big uh, pain points when it comes to corruption how does one even define um, corruption you know in that sense because some people will tell you that there's just a certain way in which business is done um, you know that others could actually um, interpret to say but no this is actually not correct or this is not right Uh, so from a that professional lens you know um, how do you how do you see and view that corruption is is first of all it's not
1: an event um, it's a process it's and it's it, it's a process that is fundamentally driven by greed uh, and there is I, I think the key when you look at corruption it is making excessive amounts of money with, by doing either little or nothing and um, um, so if I have to summarize it, that would be for me the the fundamental thing is it's greed and it's little or nothing that 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 the supplier or the you know the parties do and it's a process it's well orchestrated it's normally not just a a small event, yeah, I suppose it does happen, but you know what um i've not made um i've i've not seen many of those things um uh it happening it's more a case of you know it is it, there's lots of uh, processes and you know one key or two, a couple of key individuals involved and i've heard our president say in the, in in a few instances that corruption is not happening in the public or corruption is happening in the public sector but the private sector is involved and he's absolutely right um it is it's not just corrupt uh, government officials it is you know they're in partnership with somebody out there so there's always two parties to at least
0: when it comes to that how do people then protect themselves um, from getting embedded in some of these things Um simply because I mentioned the issue of culture um early on because um I think one of the things that people don't uh realize or think about when it comes to uh, the issues of corruption is that if you have someone who is a corrupt CEO and their corrupt transactions, there's a whole line, especially if it's a large corporate, a large state-owned enterprise or a large government department, the entire lines, chains of command that have to lend themselves to whatever is going on because uh, you know a CEO or a cfo uh, can't just you know sign a check it must go through um you know the credit controllers it must go through the procurement department there needs to be people signing off on all of these things all along the way so it becomes like a system or a chain you know how do people protect themselves from becoming uh, part of a chain or you know ensuring that there's checks and balances along the way to just make sure uh, that they don't find themselves there
1: yeah very true and um, that's why we' have over the years when we've been doing these these you know, deals um, we found there are six leading indicators um, that you know each one of them individually does not constitute corruption but as you progress through the process uh, and these leading indicators become more prevalent. You know, warning flag should go up. Um, we we look, we call it red flags. And like I said, individually, you know, they 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 part and parcel of the process. Um, one of the the first one that that we that we've seen is where senior senior people or um, executives come with an instruction. And I'm not talking about your line manager saying, you know, please put a a contract in place with, with a vendor. I'm saying it comes from an executive where you are normally not involved in, in, in their, their sphere of influence. it's one or two levels away. The CEO, the chief procurement officer, the financial executives, um, those, those individuals, they, they come with an instruction and they say to you, you know, we need to put a deal in place with, um, a uh, vendor and it comes almost as a, let's say a little bit of a surprise that um one you're getting that instruction from that level.
0: And when it comes to that can you maybe then walk us through some of the um what do you call this uh, some of those uh, leading indicators i think you've already given us that one um around uh, you know getting an instruction from um someone who is in a senior position or in, uh, in in a level above you know one or two levels above um some of the others and also at the same time because you said each one of them doesn't necessarily con constitute um, corruption, is there a point at which, uh, because as you're walking us through them, is there a point at which um, someone can then say, okay, fine, we've seen two, we've seen three, okay, fine, this is now corruption, or do we have to sit and, you know, wait to have all six together to say, okay, fine, this is now, this is now actual corruption?
1: Yeah, um, well, we've spoken about the first one that uh, that we've, that we've identified, and um, Getting instruction from a senior individual. Uh, The the next indicator that we normally look for or that that, that we should be aware of is when these uh, executives or the vendor comes with um, some ready-made commercial deals for you. So they, you know, the executive would say to you, cool, let's put a deal in place with X vendor or we need to put something in place with these guys. And these are the terms that we need to, that that we're going to do the transaction with. So it's, it's almost prepackaged, um, instant commercial deals and and you have very little leeway to, to deal with these things. Um, but here were one of the key things that any procurement person should have in his toolbox is the benchmark and he should have the, the ability to, to evaluate that, you know, the commercial deal against that benchmark. Uh, and, and also look for alternatives. You know, I've said to so many people that procurement, one of the key functions in procurement is to build options. You you have to have options. And if those options are taken away and you are faced with, you know, the third indicator that we look for, you know, a, a pre-se- pre-selected vendor, um, then red flags really starting, should be starting to go up. So if, you, you, get that instruction to say these are the deals. You have to use this vendor. Um, it comes from somebody. Then I would say you, you've, you've already started moving into the realm of getting very suspicious. Um, even though you've only seen three of them, I, I think you should really be looking at it suspiciously, uh, as a procurement professional. The, the next component to this that we look for, uh, is uh, uh, it becomes a crisis. Um, the vendors or the, the the vendor puts unreasonable time frames together. That's normally the first thing that we see. You, know, you have only a few days or a week to put things in place. Um, in procurement, we 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 need a bit of time. You know, there's a saying in procurement that says patience is a virtue. Uh, and if, if you are being pressured uh, or pushed to do this quickly, because there's some or other crisis that need to happen, uh, the deal will fall away um, there 's a short interval in order to to do stuff before um you know some or other event happens. That is absolutely um critical to understand that something is not right there's there's very few instances where a crisis in the supply chain or in procurement is unknown uh, as this leading indicator for us, it's normally a self-made crisis. Um, it's either left very late, um, or yeah, um, it's 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 not known. The market is not aware of it. I'll give you an example, um, and I think it's it's a it's a, it's a worthwhile example. Cynthia Stendhal, the, the treasurer of SAA, wrote a fantastic book. Uh, Hijackers on board, and I, and I really think it's a worthwhile read. In that book, you will see how the crisis was created in order to push through the transaction at record speed, um, and how she was pl- how she was placed uh, under pressure to get it done, you know, by saying, oh, you don't need to," um, or, or "We have to get this done fairly quickly. There's, there's 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 not a lot of options available to us," and it became a crisis. Um, the funding crisis that the SAA had
0: uh, perhaps Leon, as uh, you know, as you're getting through um, these leaden- leading indicators, I want to just touch on. I think it was the second one that you that you what you call this um, that you brought out just now, and I think and the reason why I'm highlighting that one is because it uh, what you call this it seems to touch it seems to touch on uh, the other ones that you then you know mentioned you know such as going into a deal um, you know with pre selected terms you know or having specific suppliers, etc. And that's the one about, uh, you know, bypassing procedures, best practices, etc. If as a procurement manager, um, what's the word I'm looking for? If as a procurement manager, I need to get let's say I am procuring a new desktop on co- computers for an office, right but i know that xy is let's say there are two suppliers uh there's jerry and there's tom and i always know uh that at a certain time that when it comes to getting hp computers jerry is the go to person when it comes to getting um you know something on the apple side then tom is the person to go with and i know that okay fine we're about to procure new computers and they all need to be PCs and we want them to be HP. I know that Jerry is the person that I need to talk to. Um, when it comes to procuring these computers, he's got the best price in the, in the market. He's got the most stock. Um, at the same time, he's got the best prices. He will deliver on time. We've done business with him before, right? Is it really necessary? Because I know these are some of the things that people will say. Is it really necessary to go through some protracted um, you know, procurement process, you know, tendering, you know, going through a whole we're going to be searching for the best suppliers, um, getting our options on the table, etc. If intrinsically we know that Jerry is the go to person when it comes to this and we have an account with him, he's given us favorable terms before and all of that, because I know that in a lot of Businesses. Um, Business people are looking for uh, trying to do things as quick as possible at the least cost. uh, Right. So, with all of that in mind, why bother going through? Because I understand the reason I'm bringing that up is because most of the time I think the practicalities of doing business on a day to day basis uh, tend to sometimes overtake. Uh, some of the checks and balances uh, that uh, would normally be there to prevent uh, some of the corruption that we're talking about. Yeah, Adiwa, well, uh, again, there are times and places where you need
1: that. You know, procurement at a very high level have, have two legs. The one is a tactical procurement, the other one is strategic procurement. What you're referring to is pretty much tactical procurement. It's a commodity that you buy. Um, it's There's Let's call it less complexity in it. It's high volume normally. Um, and it's uh, all the factors are known. You, you you can look at, you can walk into incredible connection where you can walk into the shop, a shop and, and, and look at the price of, of a particular product and get a feel for what's the benchmark. And, and in an organization, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having preferred suppliers. You know, business is, is a trust relationship. You you need to, to, to build a trust with your vendors and your suppliers. Yeah. And, and therefore there's nothing wrong with working with specific suppliers. However, when you start paying excessive amounts with no justification, when you need to buy a whole host of things for no particular business need, i.e. you sit with a whole warehouse full of Apple Macs or HPs, in your example. And yet your organization don't need that. Then, you know, it's a problem, you know, following that process that there is a need for emergency procurement or, or where you don't follow the, 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 the process in its, in its detail. Um, a great example is when we had the rides last year. Organizations had to make fairly quick decisions in order to perform that, 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 that purchasing. Uh, process it's tactical it's not strategic uh, you need it in order to sustain and retain your business and it's yes it might be a crisis, but it's no you you know what's going on it's when it suddenly becomes an unknown and it is you know com- combining it with some of the other factors i e extreme pricing that it becomes suspicious um we've seen instances where vendors Exert their influence to, to retain business or to sustain business on their side. It's not corruption. Definitely not. Is it, is it, is it ethical? Well, that's a totally different discussion. It might not be entirely ethical uh, from a procurement or a supply perspective, but it's definitely not necessarily corruption. You know, they use their influence, but it might not be corruption per se, i.e. They they take stuff, they, they act on that greed, and they're they they they're getting money or remunerated for things that is, frankly, unfair.
0: And the other one, you know, when it comes to, you know, all of this, I'm glad that you gave us that distinction between uh, tactical versus uh, strategic procurement, because I guess it helps us to delineate in our minds uh, the different... Um, aspects at least in a practical sense of what goes on in uh, certain procurement uh, processes uh, especially when you then find yourself uh paying the excessive prices because you know that you know that then uh doesn't make sense um leading on to the other you know leading indicators and also at the same time you know as we're getting into um you know these other indicators uh the ones that are left um is there training that's given on these indicators because you are someone who's in procurement or is this something that you've sort of learned over you know, over time and with experience? No,
1: unfortunately, there is no training for these things. Um,
0: it, we learned it the hard way.
1: Um, f- I was blessed that I had a a good mentor when it came to these things uh, in government. It's a gentleman by the name of Scott Human. Um that was the acting chief procurement officer, at national treasury at the time, um, and he sort of, I, I let's say, highlighted some of these things from time to time in discussions. You know, he would ask very pointed questions. So it is it, he, he sort of started the thinking in terms of what is going on, in, you know, in this space in corruption. How how do you see that? And a lot of credit should go should go to him um for for making it more visible to people like me. But I think we can do with some training, definitely. Uh, and I think this is the reason why we are, as Dante Dio, coming to the market and saying, guys, let's think about this. You know, let's, let's at least put some indicators, some leading indicators together that that guys that are, are, are there to do the right thing. Can, can use in a toolbox to spot it, uh, uh, make a difference.
0: And, uh, one of the things that I'm very curious about is, um, the private versus public sector dynamic. Um, like I said at the beginning, um, when people hear corruption, they normally associate that word in South Africa, uh, to the public sector. But from what you can see, in your own, uh, what do you call this? In your own experience, um, where is it, is it, is it really that there's that much more corruption that's going on, uh, on the side of the public sector? Or would you say it's just happening across the board? Is there actually more graft on the side of the, uh, uh of the private sector?
1: I don't know if there's more graft on the private sector or less, to be honest with you. Um, I think the only difference is, is that in, in the public sector uh, you are forced to to make more things known to the public, and therefore it is potentially a lot more uh visible and public. But in the private sector, there's definitely corruption happening. It's it's you know companies just don't want to wash the dirty laundry in public, so they will they they will deal with it, and they will deal with it harshly, but. It, They won't necessarily go to the market and you know to uh and to the media and say there was corruption. We do see it though. Um, you know, Steinov I think is a great example um of corruption and the way that you know that sits at a different level because that were from what allegedly accounting fraud that's happened there. But it's corruption nonetheless. You know, things there was deals done that made it happen. Um there are um you know other examples that are well known recently in the private sector that that, that is that's also clear, and um, you know, even in the spheres where we work, there is a partnership between the private and public sector organisations when it comes to corruption. Corruption doesn't happen between um, state-owned organisations; it happens between a um, you know, private individual. And somebody else, and that somebody else might be a big corporate, um, it might be, um, a state-owned enterprise, it might be a, a national government or a municipality. Uh, it could also be between an individual and a, and a household. So corruption is unfortunately all around us. And therefore, you know, even in your personal capacity, it's worthwhile to, to take some of these indicators and, and be attentive. You might be um phoned up by somebody in the bank saying, yeah, you need to I don't know, invest your money and you only have an hour to make a decision. You should have a huge amount of red flags going up in your head by just that one simple action putting you under pressure. And I think that is for us the last indicator. If the pressure becomes unbearable, you are being placed under enormous pressure then you should be uh, flagging this to somebody.
0: As we come to the end of the discussion, Leon, um, I'm curious um, about something. And it's actually the reason why I asked about um, whether there's more or less happening in the private and uh, public sector uh, because of that interaction that does happen to say that um, private sector players tend to rely on a lot of public sector uh, business right uh you know for 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 steady revenues at the same time government does a lot of business with the private sector because you know you need a lot of suppliers to you know to engage in and do the business that you do but what I was then curious about is sort of bringing all of the leading indicators that you've you know given us is to say on on a general level which of the leading indicators are the most prevalent and then a sub question to that is between public sector and private sector players because they are oriented in different ways right um, which of the leading indicators tend to be used uh, more you know depending on who you're doing that business with
1: well I think the last one that I've mentioned is, is an indicator that should be very carefully analyzed by, by um, procurement professionals it doesn't matter whether you're public or private if you're under enormous pressure to get stuff done and i'm not talking about making a deadline i'm not talking about a vendor saying well the deal will expire at the end of the week or at the end of the month because they they need to make um their revenue targets you know their their quarterly revenue targets i'm not those those, that's pressure that you should be familiar with every day uh, in doing doing business i'm talking about pressure from the senior executive saying to you this deal must be done yesterday um and you have to use this vendor normally that pressure builds up like a pressure cooker you know they start off by putting time as it pressured out then it becomes threatening in the sense of disciplinary actions uh, it, it, in the in the public sector it could go as far as death threats that if you don't do it you know there'll be some serious consequences for you and your family those, that's the kind of pressure that I'm talking about. There, and you know, when the pressure is undue, unreasonable, and un- you not know, not normal, then you should be looking at it. The next, you know, one that's more that's most prevalent for us is when they expect you not to follow the process that you know the 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 normal source to contract process that your organisation or the the, the organisation have. Where they want you to cut corners and not look at it from that perspective. As well as, um, you know, like I said, the ready made commercial deals and a, and a short list of vendors. I think those four the leading indicators is what should ultimately be the, the, the pinnacle of the indicators. If you see all of them, then it doesn't mean there is corruption.
0: But you should be very suspicious that it's there. So that was us. We were talking to uh, Leon Stain, uh, who is uh, the CEO of uh, Dante Dio. They are a, a procurement company, and he was uh, bringing um, his years of experience in the public and private sector, uh, doing business with both, uh, You know, to say that there's all of this stuff that's going on. And uh, he's saying that uh, unfortunately, there isn't a lot of training that's given uh, around some of these things and giving us leading indicators on how to, you know, spot um, corruption and uh, po- potentially stop it as well. Um, one of the things that he does highlight is that there are so many, um, you know, of these indicators, but, you know, one in isolation or even all of them um, as a whole doesn't necessarily always mean uh, that there's corruption going on. But um, if you do see uh, more than one, be very vigilant and just see, check uh, to see what's going on on um under the table, just going back, he spoke about things like um, you know working under crisis conditions uh bypassing you know procedures, having pre selected suppliers um you know direct instructions from authorized uh, people um you know particularly in um, in uh, in positions of authority uh, but one of the big ones that he does highlight and the two and uh, w- the big one that he highlights is pressure if you find yourself you know working under enormous pressure because he says there's general pressure when it comes to doing business but if you find yourself working under unusual pressure to fulfill uh, you know a certain deal then be careful of about that one and then at the same time you know uh, also be careful you know where people say that you should bypass um you know the normal procedure of getting things done uh, that's usually a big red flag so that's it Leon, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: This, this is Mudiwa's Take
0: very interesting discussion there with Leon around uh, some of the leading indicators when it comes to um, identifying corruption in an organization and one of the things that a person cannot deny is that uh, corruption does find itself you know in uh, you know many corners um, uh, in uh, South Africa's corporate um, and also the public sector as well and that no one is immune from it but rather what uh, an organization Can do is to at least minimize uh, its impact on operations and at least train people to spot you know some of these signs. One, the the big one, you know, as I said during the discussion, is the fact that a lot of the time, when corruption happens, there is a whole chain, you know, that tends to be there because the sign off from this person, there's usually sign off from this person, sign off from that person, Uh, but along the way, um, you know, there will be that that chain. some people might find themselves being implicated or taking part in corruption and not even know uh, that uh, you know that they're taking part in this so just being vigilant is uh, probably the best message that can be um, sent across right now uh, because all of the stuff lends itself to the investment case uh, of a particular country a particular sector particular company Um, all of that does feed into reputation one can think about the example that uh, Leon gave and that is Steinhoff uh, Steinhoff's reputation at the moment at the moment is tough um they've actually been performing all right you've seen uh some pickups in their share price etc but that reputational damage that comes from you know corruption or being found being guilty of underhanded dealings is just something that is very hard to take away very hard to rub out very hard uh to stamp out so you'd rather mitigate that um uh,